I like to think of feedback as a process rather than a thing. Welcome to Solar Spotlight, the podcast from the Society for Learning Analytics Research, Solar. In this podcast series, we have conversations with guest speakers to engage the wider community with leading research, practice, and key issues in learning analytics. I'm Ishan Tsai from Monash University, the host for this show. Today, we're going to talk about feedback and how we can improve feedback processes with learning analytics. And this is a topic that I'm personally very passionate about. I have great pleasure to welcome two special guests. Professor David Gallas from the University of Hong Kong. Uh, many of you may be familiar with his leading work in feedbackful learning uh, for students' learning um, and the feedback literacy. I have personally benefited a lot from David's research. Our second guest, Dr. Lisa Lim from University of Technology, Sydney. Lisa is a research fellow at UTS. Um, she has done a lot of interesting work around the uh, impact of learning analytics feedback on student sense making and engagement in both cognitive and affective levels. I have been following um, her work closely too. So I'm really excited today. I feel like I'm meeting two superstars <laughs> that I have been admiring um, for a long time. I'm very excited about today's conversation. I'll let them tell us a little bit more about themselves and their current research focus. Yes, thank you. Uh, hello. Um, I'm David Carlis. I'm a professor in the Faculty of Education, University of Hong Kong. And I've done quite a bit of work around assessment and assessment for learning. But in the last 10 or 15 years, I've been focusing on feedback, trying to take a student perspective on feedback and what useful feedback they could generate for themselves or could be useful to them. And in recent years, I've been perhaps one of the pioneers in the area of feedback literacy, the kind of capacities that students and teachers need to design and make the most of feedback opportunities. So I look forward to the conversation. Hi everyone, my name is Lisa and I'm, a, as Ishan said, I'm a postdoctoral research fellow uh, with the Connected Intelligence Centre, fondly known as KIC at the University of Technology, Sydney. KIC is a strategic innovation centre that specialises in human-centred learning analytics for teaching, learning and personal development. In my role, I work with academics across faculties at the university to co-design automated feedback based on learning analytics in their courses in order to support their students' learning. My research really focuses on human interactions with these technology-mediated feedback systems. An interest close to my heart is to understand how students make sense of their personalized data-driven feedback and how they respond to it in terms of their emotions, as well as how they use this feedback to regulate their own learning. And so I'm really excited to be here to join David and Ishan in this conversation. It's great to have both of you here with us today. Let's start with our conversation on feedback. Why is feedback important for learners? I like to think of feedback as a process rather than a thing and to focus on the student role in feedback. So to emphasize internally generated feedback, even more than information provided by others. 
And I think feedback is important because it involves learners eliciting information from peers, teachers or others, and deriving internally generated insights from their own self-monitoring and um, their own reflections on performance. Um, and because I'm taking very much a student perspective on feedback, that's perhaps one of the reasons I went down the path of student feedback literacy, the kind of capacities that students need to make the most of feedback opportunities, to make the most of peer feedback, to, to engage in self-reflection and self-regulated learning. And then the other side of the feedback literacy coin is the teacher role and feedback literate teachers need to design feedback opportunities for learners and to scaffold and facilitate the development of student feedback literacy and to enable students to use feedback information, the, the uptake kind of uh, aspects. So I think that's how I sort of see feedback and why I think it's important. As I'm going to pick up on some of the points that uh, David has mentioned, especially this part about uh, this view of uh, feedback as being a process, not a product. I think that's something that's really come up uh, and researchers are, are beginning to recognize that we cannot just see feedback as something that is given to students and that's it. We have to, to recognize that it's a part of the process and an important part of the process involves the, of course, the teacher giving the feedback, but also the students doing something with that feedback and otherwise it's, it's not feedback. So I'll just add on to say that, um, uh, well, feedback is important in the process of learning anything, uh, be it sport, music, uh, your academic subjects, or any new skills like driving, swimming, or anything. Yeah. So at the most basic level, uh, learners do need to know what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. Um, and so that's the level of corrective feedback um, so that students know, or learners know um, what they need to do in order to improve their work or the way that they go about their tasks. I think the second major reason why learners need feedback is uh, research has shown that they're actually not very good at evaluating their own performance, that is their judgment of learning, perhaps because they're not experts in their area and so they're not calibrated uh, with what's out there. So uh, feedback is necessary for, for, to help learners to know where they're, you know, like how, whether they are meeting the requirements uh, or are they falling short or what basically they need to do. And research has actually shown that learners tend to be a bit overly optimistic in their own self-judgments and that can actually hinder their performance. There is also another kind of feedback which is important for learners that we broadly refer to as process feedback. So this feedback informs learners about how they've gone about a learning task, um, helping, to know, helping them to know specifically what they need to do to improve on it for a better result. So this level of feedback is particularly important because if the student were to do the task again, they would then know what they need to do uh, and to do it better 
in order to get a better result. So both of you have highlighted the active role of learners in this uh, feedback process. And especially, David, you have um, also mentioned feedback literacy. Uh, I was wondering if both of you could comment on um, the ability of learners and maybe other aspects um, around that as well uh, in terms of data-driven or technology-enabled feedback. What has to be there for this kind of feedback to be effective? I guess we'll, we have to define what we mean by effective. And uh, for me, what I've learned really is that feedback is only effective when students receive it and act on it. So this is particularly important when we're talking about data-driven and any kind of technology-enabled feedback. Because uh, what technology does is that it enables the push of feedback to students, for example, through an email, through a dashboard. But what students do with it tends to be a black box. So it's really important to be able to, uh, to, to design such feedback, data-driven <clears throat> technology-enabled feedback, uh, to design it uh, to ensure that students uh, know their part to play in it, that they have a responsibility for acting on it as well. So when it comes to, um, to this kind of feedback, uh, I've also learned through my research and others uh, that in order for such feedback to be, you know, to be received well and to be enacted by students, it needs above all to be meaningful to students, otherwise they will ignore it. So the data that informs feedback is without doubt a key consideration. And that data needs to be considered in light of the teaching and learning context. For example, it will not be meaningful for students to receive feedback about participation in discussion forums if forums are not a big feature of the course. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, feedback about time spent online may not be meaningful to students if their course comprises more of the uh, experience-based or face-to-face -face situations. So I think that's why now we're seeing uh, an interest in uh, feedback and learning design, that is the mode of delivery of the course and the kind of activities involved in the course, as well as the assessments, and how to ensure that such data-driven feedback interventions are aligned with the feedback design. So that's when feedback becomes meaningful for the student, and that's when they will act on it. Mm. Thanks, Lisa. Um, you mentioned an interesting point that learners also need to know the, the role that they should be playing in this process. And that links quite well to the concept of uh, feedback literacy. I was wondering, David, if you could um, comment on this. Is this something we would um, consider as part of the, the key features of um, developing feedback literacy? Technology-enabled feedback needs to be pedagogically well-designed, so the students, the learners, need to be actively involved in the learning process. They need to understand and appreciate their role. They need to identify the learning goals they're working towards. And I think particularly in terms of the feedback inputs, they need to have the opportunity to act on the feedback inputs. We sometimes say that the proof of the feedback pudding is in the action so that they need to be able to do something with any information or inputs they are generated. And then Feedback literacy, as you've hinted at, is going to be important part of the 
student sense making and the students actions because the better awareness the student has of their own strengths and weaknesses the better they appreciate the learning outcomes that they're working towards and the better they understand the learning activities that they're involved in, then the more likely they are to be able to use the information that is generated from the learning processes or the information that's generated from learning analytics. The more feedback literate they are, the more likely they are to be able to make good use of the information um, that they're receiving. So maybe this is perhaps an area for learning analytics to continue to look into is kind of the interface between feedback literacy and analytics information. So what, what are the kind of capacities that learners need to be able to interpret dashboard information usefully and how they can actually use the information to enhance their work or their learning strategies. Um, Lisa mentioned the process level. So it's not just using information, but it's, it's appreciating how to develop even more sophisticated learning strategies. And then I think these kind of elements have implications for lifelong learning, that if you can not only appreciate how to do better on the course you're studying, but if these skills and capacities can be transferred into future learning, then we're developing lifelong learners, which I think is one of the aspirations um, that we're working towards. So earlier, David, you, you were uh, talking about the importance um, of action, that feedback needs to lead to action. You have also mentioned that feedback needs to prompt students' self-reflections. It's a phase that is perhaps more difficult to observe. Do you have insights in terms of how we can better observe this kind of process, the whole process better? Yes, the long-term impact of feedback processes is, is an important issue. And I think, Yishan, as you've just raised, sometimes it's very complex and difficult for us to trace longer-term impacts of feedback. I did attempt to explore this in a small-scale longitudinal qualitative study I did where I interviewed students repeatedly over the course of their entire undergraduate program about their feedback experiences. And I could identify some relatively short-term impacts of feedback, where within a course, within a module, they got some feedback on task one that they could apply to task two, which was useful and satisfying. But also I was able to trace some more complex learning that took place over a number of years. And during the research, I asked them questions like, is there anything you can remember from feedback from previous years? And is there anything you can generalize? And some of them were able to identify um, a facet of learning performance within universities whereby teachers generally prefer more depth and more nuance in writing. And the students were able to trace some feeling of development uh, over time in avoiding superficiality. And this was a comment that they'd received many times uh, from teachers. 
But as you were hinting, there are also some what I called unresolved puzzles in that, you know, for example, as academics, we might struggle over many years with theoretical frameworks or conceptual frameworks or how to make a very rich uh, discussion and significance to our academic work. And it seems to me there are some dimensions of learning that defy easy answers, but we can be thinking about and reflecting over a period of years. And I called these feedback spirals to indicate a kind of interactive um, process. But unlike a feedback loop that might reach some kind of conclusion, a spiral would be kind of ongoing. And it seemed to me there were some complex learning challenges that never really reached a conclusion. They are always kind of bubbling away in our, in our minds. So in terms of a feedback impact agenda, it seems to me there are some things that can be readily measured and gauged, but there are other perhaps even more interesting or provocative reflections that just go on and on without ever reaching a conclusion. And I think that's perhaps makes things quite complex, not only for learners, but for also researchers. Yeah. So I really like to add uh, in what I've learned so far as well, from my own research, uh, talking about talking to students and really getting into their heads, like what, how they perceive their feedback, especially data-informed and technology-mediated feedback. Um, yeah, I've really come to believe and, and realize that feedback is a, a very socio-constructivist process. So that sense-making, I think, David, you've written about this as well. It's the meaning-making that uh, students go through when they receive their feedback that really influences what they're going to do with it next. So um, what I've discovered from my own research on students' sense-making of this kind of feedback is that students' perceptions of their feedback are very much connected to their emotional response to it and ultimately what they do with their feedback. So for example, if students perceive their feedback positively um, in that it informs them about their progress and provides useful information about what they should do next, then they're likely to act on it to improve this, the way that they study, such as by adopting a, a, the suggested or recommended learning strategy, or just having more control over procrastination. But if students perceive their feedback negatively, uh, for example, if they don't agree with the recommended action of the feedback, then they may actually revert to less productive ways of learning. Um, they get a very defensive self-reaction um, and, and, and ultimately, they ignore future feedback. And this is what will make the feedback ineffective. Thank you. That's awesome. So in what ways do you think learning analytics could be helpful or unhelpful in feedback provision? I can see that, um, well, learning analytics for feedback provision is still very new, but there is that small and growing pile of research that is emerging in this area. So uh, again, just drawing on my own research using the on-task feedback system where instructors are involved in the process of uh, choosing metrics to give, uh, choosing the data to provide feedback to their students. Um, learning analytics can be helpful for students because it provides students uh, with knowledge of their ongoing progress in their courses, and how they're tracking, and what they should be doing in order to stay on track and to perform better in their study. 
Um, and because this kind of feedback is tailored to students' individual learning activity and their ongoing performance, students get valuable information about their own progress and the feedback is actionable because it's focused on tasks. So they don't have to wait until the end of the course to know what they could have done better. They can actually act early to optimize their learning over the period of study. Uh, so students have, have told me in, their, in our conversations that they have found it to be um, particularly helpful for overcoming procrastination, for keeping consistent study instead of crammed study, and just to develop good study habits like regular self-practice and revision. And one interesting finding that I picked up from one of these sense-making studies um, is that when students perceive their feedback to be really embedded in the course as part of the curriculum, rather than an additional element of the course, the feedback seems particularly helpful to them and valuable. Um, the most interesting observation was that students kept all their feedback emails in the course, and they actually used this repository of emails to prepare for the final exams, because these emails told them uh, where were the, which were the topics that needed further strengthening. Uh, and so they had a very targeted revision plan for their exams. So definitely the feedback was was helpful as a revision tool for students in that situation. Um, on the other hand, of course, there are uh, ways that it could be unhelpful and the research is, is, uh, is starting to indicate that um, learning analytics feedback that uses peers as a reference for comparison can hurt students' motivation. Um, but this of course depends on the student's own motivation and their confidence level. So if students are not feeling confident in the first place, uh, showing them feedback that compares their progress or performance with that of others may actually further erode their confidence in their own abilities. So perhaps this is one aspect that we do need to be mindful of. To me, the great strength or potential strength of learning analytics is the provision of timely feedback information for large classes. If we think of one of the challenges for conventional feedback, is that end of semester marking, grading, feedback processes invariably come too late to be useful to students or too late for student action. But with learning analytics, there is potential for just-in-time feedback to come within the course, maybe just before a key exam or a key test. And I think that is a, that is a, a very powerful strength and aligned to that strength is that um, it overcomes the large class challenge that often worries um, teachers in conventional classes. How can they interact regularly with a large class through conventional means? So to me, the timeliness and the possibility to reach out to large classes is a significant strength. I think there are also some promising linkages to theory in learning analytics. And I think self-regulated learning theories have been deployed quite a bit in the literature, which I think is, is also very useful. I suppose in terms of the challenges or the dangers, it could become information transmission and maybe there is a reduction of student autonomy or student agency. So one of the sub-themes in feedback literacy in the last few years has been learners eliciting feedback, uh, feedback seeking or feedback requests. 
so that actually students have an opportunity to say, well, when I was working on this course or on this assignment, I really wondered whether I'd read enough literature or I tried to develop an argument. Could I have some commentary on that? Um, so I wonder if we could develop even more of a partnership approach to feedback in learning analytics so that student perceptions of what might be valuable to them could be even more salient in, in kind of the dashboard information that they're receiving. And I noticed that there was a paper in the LAC21 recently that got an award, which was led by Iona Jive from the Netherlands, that seemed to me to be about learner goal setting and choosing information that they could receive. And I thought that was um, a useful uh, way forward so that we could bring in more student choice into the analytics information that's being received. Hmm. Thank you. And it's interesting that you mentioned this word partnership. In fact, in my own um, research, uh, especially um, in um, our evaluation of uh, students' perceptions of this feedback tool on task, we found that after we introduced on task, we evaluate the um, experience. And we actually found that students' response to the relational aspects of the um, engagement with feedback uh, was actually higher. And so our interpretation is that because OnTask as a tool is semi-automation, it's like a partnership between teacher and the computer. And that kind of um, partnership seems to be able to facilitate um, this kind of um, still the relational uh, process, but at the same time enhancing the efficiency um, of feedback. So that's, um, that's perhaps um, uh, another perspective in terms of partnership. I'm going to pick up on the point that both of you have uh, spoken a lot about this uh, really hot topic on partnerships uh, with students, uh, especially as regards feedback. So um, in terms of learning analytics feedback, I think although this is automated, um, what's interesting from the students' comments is that they can actually, while they know that this feedback is somewhat automated, they actually can sense the care of the lecturer, even in building such a system for automated feedback. So this is really, uh, perhaps this technology space is really a good uh, a space to explore how we can even build relationships through technology. So one important way we're talking about partnerships would be to perhaps uh, find ways to know more about the students in your course. For example, their motivations, their support requirements, and, and their prior knowledge, because this, these are important bits of information that will help uh, instructors to know what kind of support, tailored support students need. And when this is, uh, this is informing the feedback, then feedback becomes meaningful and useful to the students. And also related to this point about uh, relationship building, uh, it would be good to actually have the channel of communication for students to be able to dialogue with you about their feedback. I think uh, David mentioned this just now as well, feedback uh, needs that kind of dialogue uh, to also uh, facilitate student sense making of it. So that means that we'll need to let students know through the feedback how best to communicate with us and also with each other. I'd like to signal one important area for further investigation, and that's the identification of more strategies that can help lower achieving learners. 
I think currently a lot of the feedback uh, research and feedback strategies work relatively well with relatively well-motivated students who are fairly good at self-regulating, have high self-efficacy. I think generally, both in conventional feedback and in learning analytics-based feedback, the current state of play is that we lack many strategies that seem to work well with lower achieving learners. And I noticed, for example, Yishan, in your LAC21 paper, you, you also reached a similar conclusion that, that the learners with the higher self-efficacy were much better at using um, learning analytics-based information to advance their progress. So I think trying to identify strategies that could support lower achievers, both in conventional feedback and in analytics-based feedback could be a very useful um, research focus, because actually this is good for equity and it's good for retention, it's good for inclusion. And I feel there is potential in learning analytics to be able to focus on the lower achievers. So I think that's, that's not only an important area, but I think one that potentially analytics-based information could, could try to tackle. Yeah, it's great. Thank you both. That has been a really, really wonderful conversation. So now it's our game time. Um, so we play uh, two truths and one lie game um, at the end of each episode. In our last episode, we featured some past DC students of luck, Andrew Gibson, Angelica Kritzinger, and Scott Harrison. It turns out that Andrew was the one who told a lie. I have a mild allergy to really well matured cheeses. The super strong smell um, seems to cause me to sneeze and affects my sinuses. So that is a lie. I actually love mature cheese. I particularly enjoy a nice strong cheese with a really good wine. Okay, now let's hear some interesting uh, facts about Lisa and David. Okay, all right, I'll go first. Uh, here's my first statement. When I was growing up, my family kept many pets. And there was one stage when we had 21 hamsters at home. And here's my second statement. I love fishing. Uh, one of the highlights of my fishing trips was hooking a large threadfin salmon in the Brisbane River a few years ago. I never caught such a big fish in my life, so that was a real achievement for me. And my third statement. I play both the piano and the guitar. I've been playing the piano since I was seven years old and the guitar just over two decades ago. Hmm, that's not easy to guess actually. <laughs> Number one, I previously worked as a postman. Number two, my maternal grandmother lived until the age of 109 years old. And number three, I was the Hong Kong chess champion in 1987. Whoa. Well, the third one, surely if we Google, can we find the answer? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast on Enhancing Feedback Processes with Learning Analytics. My name is Yishan Tsai, and I've been talking with David Collis and Lisa Lo today. If you would like to continue the conversation, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag Solar Spotlight or post the comments at our podcast channel on SoundCloud. 
If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast, which is available through both iTunes and Spotify. I would also like to share this great news of our recent launch of the Solar PhD thesis hub. If you have completed PhD research on learning analytics related topic, we would like to invite you to share your PhD thesis details and spread the word to other PhD graduates. You will be able to find this hub at the Solar website. Uh, please go to solarresearch.org, click the community tab, and you will be able to find PhD thesis hub. We look forward to hearing from you.